Welcome to Women's Leadership Today, presented by Progressive Women's Leadership. I'm your host, Nicolette. We are bringing you the latest in leadership skills and expertise. I am so excited to have Ashley Cox with me today. Ashley is the founder and CEO of Sprout HR, a boutique HR consulting firm specializing in helping women hire and lead thriving teams with smart, simple strategies. She's also the author of our book club spotlight this month, Transform Your Stories, where she helps women identify and overcome the toxic stories that are holding them back so they can become more confident and courageous leaders and impact the world. Ashley, thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, Nicolette, and everyone listening, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to say, first of all, that I loved your book. I have literally, Ashley, I've literally gone to therapy over some of my own personal <laughs> toxic stories, but the way you present the issue, how to identify the stories and the solutions, it really resonated with me on like a deeper level, which was really cool. I've noticed since I started reading that I already have become more in tune with how to identify those stories as they mm. present themselves on the daily. I and love Ashley, that. yes, and Ashley, for our listeners um, who haven't read the book yet, mm -hmm. yet, can yes. you please explain to them what a toxic story is? Yeah, so a toxic story is anything that we're telling ourselves that is holding us back from stepping more fully into the person that we were meant to be. And I say it very intentionally that way because it's not that I think that we are, that we need to change who we are but that we can amplify who we were meant to be. And a lot of times we tell ourselves these stories or these uh, lies or untruths, however you wanna put that. I, I like to call them stories because lies, lies feel kind of harsh, right? Um, but it's essentially yeah. what it is. And it's these stories that we tell ourselves about how we're not capable, how we're not enough, how we are not the right person for whatever that next step is, whether it's to be a leader or to step into other other types of roles in our lives. So I think that these stories are really the, the catalyst that, that we need to be able to be self-aware of and identify that will help us then say, you know what, I was actually meant for more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know for sure that my own personal toxic stories, which I've, like I said, I've been able to identify a, a lot more clearly now. Um, some I didn't even know I was carrying around with me. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Those are absolutely. sneaky ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, I know that I, I have had moments in my life where when I look back on it, I really think if I hadn't told myself that, maybe I'd be someone different today. Mm. Maybe I would have done something that I, I really wanted to do or, you know, I wouldn't have let it help hold me back, which it really does. It holds you back for sure. It does. It does. And that's why I share so many personal stories inside the book. And I share my stories. I share stories from clients, from friends, from people I know, all anonymous. Well, except for me. Um, and, and I think that it just helps it to be a little bit more relatable because sometimes you can get inside your own head and think, I must be the only person who thinks this. I must be the only person who believes this about myself or, you know, just really feel isolated and alone. And my whole goal with the book was to say, hey, look, 
I've got these, you've got these, everybody's got these stories. And here's some just really practical ways to help you overcome those so that they don't keep you playing small or, or not living out your full potential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ashley, speaking about uh, you were saying before about how the stories uh, are lies, or you you prefer to call them stories, mm-hmm. and I think that 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 might be because in, even in the book you talk about how sometimes we tell ourselves stories that are true, and mm-hmm. one of the questions you ask us to ask most often throughout the book through the through the journaling prompts, which by the way I love the prompts, I work uh, through all of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love when people use the book because that's exactly what it's designed for is not just to read it and you know think oh that's a really great concept and then set it on the shelf but to like get down and dirty with it write in it write all over it highlight it dog ear pages whatever you need to do to to like experience it so I love to hear that you that you really went through that full experience Nicolette I did, and I really wrecked my book. It's highlighted, dog-eared, everything you said. I really, I starred things. I love it. Um, And I love the prompts, too. Um, And you included these prompts, and they're really a great way to break up the reading. I know, Mm. for me, I've always had kind of a trouble um, concentrating, following Mm. along. I have to take a lot of breaks when I read. Mm. And the prompts, like, it made the reading so much easier because it gave me something to do throughout. And it also made me reflect back on the reading. Like, Mm. I really think I remember a lot more of the book than I do from um, most books because of the prompts, which was a really cool addition. Um, And I really love that you threw those in there. Uh, I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. And so going back to what I was saying, one of the questions you ask us to ask most often is, is this story true when a story Mm. pops up, right? And for me personally, I know that that question was really actually very difficult for me. I personally had a really hard time answering that. I know um, when, especially when a story, like I said, I carry around stories I didn't even realize I was carrying. Mm -hmm. And when those stories have been so deeply ingrained in your life, it's really hard to uh, recognize what is true and what Mm -hmm. is not true. Um, The other thing is that you said that sometimes we tell ourselves stories that are true. And if they are true, we need to um, work through them. And if Mm -hmm. they aren't true, we need to let them go. Do you have any suggestions on how to identify, how to better identify what is the actual truth and what we need to work on and what is false and what we need to let go? Oh, this is such a great question. I love this so much because there is a lot of, there's a lot of nuance here, right? And there is a lot of room for feeling like I'm getting this wrong. And so I love to be able to to really address this because it seems like a simple question. Well, is it true or is it not true, right? But it is very challenging. And so yeah. I think that, you know, one of the things that you can do is journal. And I know journaling's not for everyone though. So if journaling is not your gig, if you are just like, I cannot make myself sit down and write, maybe it's just doing voice recordings. Uh, you know, it's talking through yeah. some of the, some of the scenarios or the situations that are coming up in your head. And that could maybe help you listen back to it and say, okay, is this true? Is this not true? Sometimes seeing it written down in black and white helps you really remove the emotion from it and say, okay, is this really actually what's going on or is there something else that's happening here? And the same thing for audio playbacks. Maybe if you're more of an auditory learner or uh, you know, you, you get information better through audio, that might be a different process that you can use. Another um, strategy that you could use is, is to go to someone. Uh, I have a therapist, I have a coach, I have friends, I have all of these people that I can say, hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. Here's what I believe help me walk through this. And even just having somebody else listen 
to your your brain dump, your your brain download, uh, and and saying like these are all the things I think are true, and they're like yeah no that's <laughs> definitely not true. So sometimes getting some outside help can be really beneficial when it comes to identifying what's true or not, especially if it's a story you've carried for a long time. If it's a story that's deeply ingrained, maybe it's a story that came from some childhood event or some trauma that you've had in the past. You know, not all of our stories are just like, oh, I told myself today, you know, that, you know, the sky wasn't blue. You know, like that's kind of a silly example, but there's some people that truly deeply believe that they are not worthy because of something that has happened in their childhood, because of the way that they were raised or the environment that they were in or the stories that other people in their family carried and passed on to them. So those stories are going to be a lot harder to uncover and asking, is this true? It's going to take a lot more work than just, oh yeah, that's true or no, that's not true. So hopefully that gives some different uh, examples of ways that we can explore that question and, and really get to the root of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you have some great tips in the book, too, for identifying a trustworthy person Mm. to ask those questions for, because they're very vulnerable questions. It's not something you want to just throw out at somebody you just met, for sure. No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Is that something that you think that you get naturally better at? Is that a skill, identifying what's true and what's not true? For sure. For sure. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes consistency. And And even though I literally wrote the book on it, uh, there are times where my own toxic stories creep up and smack me on the side of the face. And and I think, oh, wait, where did that come from? Uh, Or I have a hard time identifying it. You know, I mentioned I have a coach earlier and and just earlier this week, she was asking me uh, some questions and, and, and kind of pushing back and testing me on some of the thoughts that I was bringing to the conversation. And she said, hmm is that really what's happening here? Which is another version of, is this true? And I was like, I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) So it's good to have multiple ways of exploring whether those, those stories that you're telling yourself or those things that you truly believe are real or not real, or they're, they're part of your, your experience is part of your lived experience. And how can you work through those? And sometimes it means that you need a, a, a partner in in the process. Um, and so maybe the book is that partner for part of the journey. Maybe there's a coach, maybe there's a therapist, maybe there's a best friend. I've got two friends, I'm gonna give them a shout out, Amber and Kina, and they are always, always telling me, why are you telling yourself this? Why do you believe that? No, you're better than that. You're not, you're not allowed to believe that. That's not, that's not you. <laughs> And so I think sometimes, you know, you get a little tough love, you get a little, uh, you know, support in different ways, and it really yeah. helps you to uncover and explore those those questions. And sometimes it takes a long time. Some questions are going to take years to uncover, and that's okay. Try not to put a timeline on overcoming all of your stories, because new stories are always going to yes. pop up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I know that I have... You know, one of the things that has held me back from journaling, um, mm. which is you highly recommend, and you had some great alternatives that I'm definitely going to try. The the voice good. memos are a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things that held me back is that I have this idea in my head that even when I'm doing stuff just for me, that no one else is going to see, no one else is going to participate mm-hmm. in. Sometimes I think like, 
am I doing this good enough? <laughs> am I doing this? And am, 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 is this taking too long? I don't know how this is supposed to be, which is so silly because, I mean, and that's just another story, right? That, mm-hmm. like, I'm not I'm not good at journaling. That's just another yeah. story I tell myself 100%. that I could. I love yeah. that you just saw that. Yeah, did, did you hear this? Nicolette yeah. just was like, okay, this I'm not good enough at this. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Oh, wait, that's a story. Yeah, 100%. Because there are no rules to journaling, right? You can no. do it however you want. And I will tell y'all a secret, even though I highly recommend journaling, I don't journal every day. I journal when I need it. I go yeah. to my friends when I need that. I go to my therapist when I need that. I go to my coach when I need that. So I think that when you look at the whole collective of support that you have, pick and choose what you need when you need it. And don't yeah. make journaling be a, a, a punishment. Yeah. We want to use journal. We want to use journaling as an opportunity to explore and, and uncover and and just be intimate with ourselves. And then if you want to tear that thing up, shred it, throw it in the burn <laughs> pile. Like nobody needs to ever see what we put in our journals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It gives us a real opportunity to be um, perfectly honest. Which yeah. I think when we're exploring that, is that is this true? Question. Mm. I think honesty is is really going to be a key there, right? Because. For sure even if you have to get real with yourself, which I think this book really helps you, the journaling prompts especially, really helps you to reach that point where you can be real with yourself, which I, mm. it can be really hard for people mm-hmm. to be honest with themselves. I find it easier to be honest with my friends and family than I yes. do to be honest with myself sometimes. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I think too, you know, we're so used to living in a society where only the good stuff is put online. We're showing our yeah. best lives. We're showing our the best side of our personality. We're showing the best side of work. We're showing the best side of our family. Yes. You know, we're not posting the piles of laundry that are, you know, in the laundry room. We're not posting yeah. the, the kids screaming and running around the house and like mass chaos and mayhem happening. We're not posting about the spat or the fight that we had with our spouse last night. You know, those are the things that we're like, ooh, I don't want anybody to see this. And so it, it tends to be that way in our journaling and in our, you know, our conversations of uncovering what's true because it's, it's not societally accepted to yeah. not be perfect all the time, especially, especially as women. We're supposed yes. to be the perfect wife, the perfect mom, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect community member. And those are all things that society tells us, this is your role. This is what you're supposed to be. And if you're less than perfect, you're not enough. And that's just yeah. a story. Um, that's one of those those stories that we kind of culturally uh, have adapted and, and believe. And it's hard to unwind that. It's hard to unwind that, especially when everybody is kind of in the same boat. Um, So I think that's really important too, to understand that there are are stories that we're fighting internally, just from our own personal lived experiences. And then there's stories that we're, that we're fighting against culturally and, and societally. Yes, absolutely. And Ashley, I love the part of the book where you talk about that, how all stories aren't just like like you said before, aren't just stuff we came up with. We didn't just wake up and say all the yeah. time the sky the sky isn't blue, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the, some of these stories have been taught to us by friends, family members, um, and by society. And I think I think society can play a really big role in some of the stories mm-hmm. we tell ourselves. Like you said, especially as women, I feel like we really get the short end of the stick yeah. when it comes to societal lessons sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I know Ashley, you do a lot of counseling for uh, professional women in their mm-hmm. careers, correct? Yes. 
And is there any specifically societal stories that you see are, are extra prevalent in the professional sphere when it comes to women? For sure, for sure. Uh, you know, a lot of times women are told they're too emotional to be mm-hmm. leaders or to be significant individuals in the workplace. Um, women are often told they're too soft or they're too compassionate. They're going to get run over. This is what I was told a lot. And I know having done some, some trainings for progressive women's leadership, uh, that's a topic we've talked about before about being, you know, having, having that manager come and say, Oh, you're, you're too soft. Like your team is going to run you over. You got to toughen up. Um, another story is, is women are too indecisive. And I, like I like to reframe these. So let me give you some some different reframes. Women aren't too emotional. Women are emotionally intelligent and connected. Yes. We see and understand things in a different way. And that's a superpower. Women aren't too soft. We're not too compassionate. Like, is there such a thing to care about other people? Because honestly, when you're in a leadership position, you're in the people business. Yes. And your job is to care about the people that are, are in your charge. And women are indecisive. Women are open-minded and we're collaborative. We like to get all the different sides of the picture. We like to hear different ideas and different opinions and different suggestions because then we can make a better, more well-rounded decision. So don't believe those stories too quickly. And if anybody ever needs a reframe, I got your back. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I. I, and it's so funny what you say about emotionally intelligent, because I hear that. That's what I've heard throughout my entire life, not even in just the professional sphere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I was in school, like, you know, from my own family, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, you're a girl, so you're going to be really, like, over-emotional. Mm-hmm. You're going to – you can't make decisions because it, your emotions are going to play in. Why yeah. shouldn't our emotions play in? <laughs> right? What Like, when did this become bad? Yeah. And so let's make it – good again. Like I'm just reclaiming the whole, sure. Okay. I'll be an emotional leader and it's my superpower. So go on with yourself. (laughs) Some of the worst jobs I've ever had are with bosses who are not emotionally connected, who just don't seem to care. I, if, when I become a leader, I want to be a leader who cares about the people Mm -hmm. on my team. Um, that's what I love about my current job with progressive women's leadership is Mm -hmm. my whole team cares so much, you know? Um, and nobody is saying that we care because we're overly emotional. Everybody is, they think of it just the same way you do that. It's a superpower and that's what makes the job super enjoyable for sure. Exactly. You know, there's studies right now that have been taking place over the last couple of years you know, since since the pandemic and since this whole cultural shift in the workplace and people are leaving their jobs in mm-hmm. record numbers. You know, we've heard of the great resignation and people are leaving to find companies that better align with their values. And some of those values include my job actually cares about me. My job cares about my family. They want me to have a good work-life balance or work-life harmony, as I like to use. Uh, and And I think that, you know, employees are now in the driver's seat more so than ever. They get to call the shots and they are going to work for companies that genuinely care about them. They're not going to, they're not going to stick around at these companies that don't care. So I think, you know, we're on the cusp of something here that's really going to change the the face of the workforce forever. So if you are, or someone who's been identified as emotional, soft, or indecisive, like get ready. Your time is coming to shine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
the uh, the emotional leaders are really going to be in high demand once exactly. once people start figuring it out for sure. Exactly. Um, Ashley, our theme for July. So we have mm-hmm. a theme every single month, and this month's theme is grit. Mm-hmm. And I had a feeling that even though it didn't have grit in the title, that your book was going to be a phenomenal addition to kind of prevailing that theme. Um, now, grit is a combination of passion and per- perseverance. Do you think that transforming those toxic stories can help us build that grit as well? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. I think when we embody who we truly were meant to be and we don't buy into the stories either we've created for ourselves or that society has created for us, we get to live in passion more. We get to embody that desire and that drive to bring something to life that maybe wouldn't have otherwise been available to us. And I think that uncovering those toxic stories requires grit. It requires passion. It requires perseverance. It is not for, it is not for the the weak. (laughs) It's definitely something that's that's going to take, it's going to take some, some perseverance and some tenacity. It's going to take a little bit of, um, you know, time. And I think that passion and perseverance, absolutely grit 100% describes uncovering our toxic stories, overcoming those, becoming that courageous and confident leader and having impact beyond your wildest dreams. For sure. I mean, those, you know, just, just reframing those stories, I think is enough to build perseverance. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you can work through something holding you back to instead move you forward, that Mm -hmm. right there is perseverance. Mm -hmm. And I know like, you, you're really a cheerleader in your book. And it made me, yeah. <laughs> as I was reading, I was like, yeah, I really should do that. Why shouldn't I? Like, right? so there's the passion, right? Yeah. For sure. Right. I, like I said, I knew, I just, I had a feeling that this book was really going to lead into our theme this month. And mm. I, I could not recommend it more. I, I've actually already recommended it to my roommate. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. It just, it, you know, I wrote this book because I wish that I had this book when I was a young leader, when I was just starting in my journey. And 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 it's a very overwhelming time. And and I tell the story in my book. I was a, I was a first time leader at the age of like 21. And I had a a team that I co-led of of 350 employees. That's a lot of people to be responsible for when you're leading for the first time. And I had a lot of stories come up and I had a lot of toxic beliefs and and stuff that, that came up. And uh, and I wish I could tell every story that I ever have had to work through in my life in the book, but my goodness, it would take me a lifetime to write it and it would take <laughs> you five lifetimes to read it probably. Um, and, and so, you know, just know that even though I wrote this book doesn't mean that I'm perfect, doesn't yeah. mean that I've worked through all of my own stories and I am doing this work with you every single day myself, every single day. Yeah, we all are. All, all the readers are, are in the same exact boat, guys. And um, we all we all have toxic stories. Every single one of us. There's not one person on this planet that isn't facing their own toxic stories. And this book for sure is a great tool in helping you work through. And Ashley gives you guys some some amazing, uh, some other tool ideas uh, to help you work through as well. Like I said, since I've started reading the book, just, just from reading through um, and working the, the prompts in the book, I've started to notice my own stories my own toxic stories throughout the day and just noticing it is the first step. Um, I've had a lot easier time being able to work through some just because I now can, can see them happening. 
awareness is the first step. Awareness is the first step. And I think the best comment that I've ever got on this book is that this book helps you lead yourself better. And I'm like, yes, that's what it's all about. It's about leading ourselves and not relying or depending on anyone else to do it for us. But the fact is that we have the opportunity to choose every single day, every single day, which stories we want to believe and which stories we're going to set aside. Absolutely. Ashley, this has been great. I know our listeners, especially our book club, is going to be thrilled (laughs) to hear your perspective on this topic. Um, Listeners, the book again is Transform Your Stories, Overcome Your Toxic Stories, Become a Courageous and Confident Leader and Impact the World, which I know that you will if you read this book for sure. This book is by Ashley Cox and you can find it on Amazon today. Thank you again so much for joining me, Ashley. This has been amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Nicolette. I loved this conversation and I look forward to just keeping up with you in your journey as you uncover more of those toxic stories. Yes, absolutely. Um, Thank you so much to our listeners. This is Women's Leadership Today, presented by Progressive Women's Leadership. Make sure to tune in next month when we will be focusing on initiative as our theme for August. And you have a great day, Ashley. Thanks, you too, Nicolette. Thank you for listening. Progressive Women's Leadership is passionate about providing the best tools to help you reach your fullest potential. Visit us today at progressivewomensleadership.com for access to workshop, articles, e-guides, and much more to help you further develop your skills and advance your career.